Morning. Hello. I know we have several out and about enjoying God's creation, I'm sure, as uh, they enjoy gunpowder as well, right? It's that time of year, right? We, uh, so um, I was asked if I uh, went hunting, and my, I, I'm not a hunter. I've never been a hunter, um, never had a hunter in my family, and so I just never got into that. I'm told if I start, I would get hooked. And so I don't know if, if I need to do that or not, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, as Jason mentioned, Converge is coming up, and uh, it's really kind of cool about what God has put on Jason's heart for Converge next weekend with the teenagers, and what God had put on my heart uh, back in June for the series we're going to start this morning, because they really go hand in hand together. As uh, just a fair warning to the youth, I'm not going to give the same sermon today as on Friday um, to start Converge off, but it is got this same focus. Um, and so obviously God knows something that Jason and I were just given a glimpse of, but I hope you are ready for the series. We're beginning a series uh, to answer the question, who am I? It's a, a question about identity. And I don't care how old or young you are here today, or if you're if someone listens to this sermon later, we all wrestle with identity. Um, whether it's as a student in school and peer pressure and trying to fit in, uh, whether it is a parent. I mean, parents, would we be willing to confess that sometimes we see other parents and we're just like, man, they seem to know what they're doing. Am I the only one? I, I'll, I'll admit that. And then I praise God. He shows other parents like, oh, okay, I'm not too bad. <laughs> uh, and then, but maybe at workplace, maybe there's people at your work that they get assigned a task and they just seem to, to get it done easily and, and, and quickly and it just drives you nuts and they get credit for that. Um, I don't know, but we all wrestle with identity. When I was about late 18, maybe 19 years of age, um, I kind of stepped away from the church. Um, I, was still, I, I still know I was saved because God was still speaking in my heart, still convicting me on some of the uh, activities I was finding myself in. But I remember one night in particular um, coming home, which I probably should not have gotten myself home that night, but looking in the mirror and just that question, who are you? You know, everything I'd been brought up and taught and everything I'd learned and everything I believed in and knowing that I wasn't looking anything like that and just really struggling with my identity. And part of that struggle was this idea that, you know, I felt like I needed to fit into what other people wanted me to be doing, what other people thought I should be doing or how I should even look in my life. And so this, this focus of this series in asking the question, who am I, is to understand this God-given identity that we have all been given, and maybe some of us are going to find as we go throughout this series that we need to be living out. Um, again, I don't think you can be any age and not struggle with it. I've only met a few people, and they're, they were pretty old, <laughs> that really don't care what people think anymore. And I think you get to a certain age in life, you're just like, man, I don't... I, I'm going home any day now, so whatever. You know, but for us... We're always going to wrestle with this. You know, what do people think about me? Am I fitting in? Am I doing the right thing? Or, you know, am I, why are they seem to get things easier than I did or, or get promotions more than I did promotions? Or, um, you know, they seem to have everything. 
Uh, I believe in America, this is a core issue. I think as you watch the news and you see some of the things going on, people are struggling with their identity. Just think about some of the things that have come up in the last several years. People struggle, are struggling with their gender identity, their sexual identity, their moral identity, their social identity, and in the last year or so, now it's their national identity. You know, who are we? And we can look to outer places and we can look for other things, try to define that, whether it's in education or with other people. But the reality is God has already given us identity in his word. And I think if we get this, I'm not saying you're not going to wrestle with it throughout your life, but if we can get this and come back to this in those times we begin to question it, it will change everything about us. It will change our family. We'll no longer look to other people's families to try to define what our family should look like. We're no longer look to other people's marriages and, and say that's how our marriage shall look, our relationships. It will change even how we spend our money. Because people every single year spend billions of dollars to change something about themselves that they feel does not measure up. I mean, that's why you have plastic surgery and LASIK and all these other things that are going on. And if you've done that, I'm, I'm not condemning that at all, but it seems like we are really struggling with who in the world are we supposed to be. And the problem is, is we keep looking in the wrong places. We look for the world to define it. We look for other people to define it. We look for the news to define it. We look for billboards to define it. But I guarantee you, you're, there's not a person in this room that hasn't struggled with it or is struggling with it. How many of y'all have seen someone who does something better than you, ever? <laughs> and you know what we do in that moment, is we look at that person and we, and we see what they do and we begin to devalue ourselves. And, and we can do this in the church. We see someone leading worship or someone playing an instrument or someone teaching or preaching or someone just visible and we see what they do and we place value on that and we go in our head that, you know, I could never do that and so I, I must not have as much of, as worth. And so we begin to question our worth and our value because we base it upon other people. And, I, and we can do this even outside the church. You know, we can, we can have a certain shirt. Um, Joe and I have a similar shirt. We've yet to wear it on the same day. And there's a reason for that. Joe looks better in his shirt than me. You do? But we can do that. You ever, you, ever, you ever have the exact same outfit and you see someone else in it and then you automatically become questioned about whether you should wear that shirt anymore because they're, they're pulling it off. And, 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 you know, for Jason, it's his socks, right? You know, none of us can wear Jason's socks. But we, we automatically begin to devalue ourselves based upon what other people do, how they look, or what we think we should be measuring up to. And here's the problem. Every time we try to place our value system based upon another sinful individual, we will always be lacking. We will always come up short. And even if we get to a certain place where we think we're good, we're going to come up to another person, and they're doing something better than us, and then we begin to devalue ourselves. If you have your scripture with us, God, right off the bat, Right off the bat, Genesis. Go to the book of Genesis, very first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. God, right off the bat, wants us to know our identity and our value. Because there is a remedy to all of this. And I'm not saying you're not going to struggle with it at times, and you're not going to see someone who does something great and you don't do that. And that's fine, because there are times people are meant to do things better than you. Um, this last June, I had the pleasure of going golfing with Joe and Mike. 
And I like to golf, but I'm not good. That's my confession. I'm not, I just like to get out there and golf. And so as I'm going to go golfing with Joe and Mike, on, it was in June, and we, we were out at a, up in Marshfield at the golf course, and we're going to the first tee. And so I'm going to the white tees because that's where I've always played. And as I get up there and you're ready to tee up, I see Joe and Mike behind me teeing up like in the far back ones. And I go, what are you doing, guys? <laughs> And so they're getting ready, and they're just like, oh, you know, getting ready. This is so awesome. I'm going to play. And they're warming up. And they're, I mean, they're like 20 yards behind me. My golf identity began to become in question. And so I felt I needed to prove myself to Joe and Mike that I can play back there just like they can play back there. Thankfully, God humbled me in 18 holes and let them know that I can't. And so I'll never play back there again because that's not who God's made me to be. You know, they have certain gifts and talents that are going to be better than me. Other people are going to have certain gifts and talents that are going to be better than you. And so what we have to understand, who has God made me to be? Who does God say that I am? So in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 and verse 27, we're going to use these two verses as our key verses this morning to understand our God identity. Because if we can get this, man, all that other junk that makes us question who we are and what we are good at or have the ability to do, man, it won't matter anymore. Genesis chapter 1, beginning verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. We should stop right there real quick. The word man in the Hebrew is not just speaking about the male gender. Uh, this is a, is a generic gender, nonspecific word. It, it means all people. Um, so let us make man and women, if you want that in there too, go right ahead. But make them in our image and according to our, our likeness. And then God gave us some power. They will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God and he created them male and female. If you're taking notes or you want to write down, I want you to write this down and just allow this to sink in for a second. You were made by God. Just stop in there for a second. You were made by God. You were made by the creator of the heavens and the earth. You were made by the God who spoke things into being. You were made by the God who is eternal. You were made by the God who is perfect and can do nothing wrong. You were made by that God. And the Bible says you were made in his image and you were made perfectly the way he wanted you to be. And I think that's important. I am made by God. You are made by God. I am made in God's image. I am made in his likeness and I am made as the person that God wants me to be. God does not want me to be like Jason Goings. And God doesn't want Jason Goings to be like Mike Kirchner. And God doesn't want you to be like any other individual he's put in your life that you can maybe put up on a pedestal. God has created you to be you. And that's all you can be. If you look back in the Old Testament, when David comes and he finds his brothers just hanging out on the battlefield because big old Goliath is standing on the other hill and he's shouting out for them to come and fight. And David's like, what is this Philistine doing? I'll take him on. You all remember what Saul tried to do to David before he could go out on the field? Here, let me put my armor on you. 
That's because Saul should have been the one out on the field. He was the king. He should have been leading the fight. But he's like, here, let me, you don't look the part. You need to dress the part. Let me put this stuff on you. And David came to the reality, if I wear something that's not meant for me and try to be something that is not me, that this is not going to go well. And so in our life, we need to come to this reality that God did not make you to be like, sorry, Joe, Joe Schmo down the street. God created you to be like you. He created you to be unique. You are made in his image and his likeness. And so the comparison trap we can have is it shouldn't be there because the only person I'm to compare myself to is God in the flesh, which is Jesus Christ. That's the measure. It's not about what I wear or what I eat or if I have a good smile, if I can run fast enough or if I'm smart enough or if I'm the best athlete or the best singer or the best actor. It's not about that. It's like, how do I measure up to the image and likeness that God has created me to be? Because that is the image in which I am to be. That is my identity. This is what God made us out to be from the very beginning before sin could come and corrupt it. I am made by God and I am made to be me. I love the artist David Crowder, and he has a song out there where one of the courses, you make all things glorious. And the question that we can sometimes not hear, he says, and so what does that make me? The answer is God made all things glorious. He made all things the way they were supposed to be. And what that makes me, it makes me glorious because I'm made in the image of God. Delirious, another Christian band says, God didn't screw up when he made you, but he's a father who loves to parade you. I think sometimes we need to allow that to sink in, that there's a God who is perfect and holy and loving, and he loves who I am. He loves who I am. God loves who you are. And I think the only thing that makes God unsettled is when we try to blend into what other people think we should be. And when we do that, we lose our our identity. Hear this. I am made by God. Just think on that. You are made by God. Psalmist understood this in Psalm chapter 139, if you want to turn there, one of my favorite psalms. But in the midst of the psalm, David writes that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think we can forget that sometimes. We can forget that we are fearfully and wonderfully made because we forget that it is God, the holy God, who has made us. In verse 13 and 14, Psalm 139 says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. How about if we start our day like that? How about when we see ourselves in the mirror, we look in the mirror, and we quote God's word back to ourselves, and we look at our reflection. Man, you are wonderfully and remarkably made. You're a good-looking feller. I mean, this is what God is wanting us to understand is that God made us and he made us the way we were supposed to be. It's not a matter of of that twerp at school or that person that you think does something better than you. It's about being who you can be because that is who God made you to be. I am made by God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Before God sent the prophet Jeremiah out, he says that I chose you, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. And though he's speaking 
about Jeremiah's specific task to go to Israel. It's also a promise to us that God knew us before we were born. He knew us in the womb. He set us apart for a specific purpose. And that part is to be in the image of God. It's to understand that God knows me and he loves me and he's taking care of me. I am loved by God. I am created by God. And here's the beauty of it. You are known by God. It doesn't matter who else knows you. It doesn't matter if you have a celebrity name or you become a celebrity Christian or you write thousands of books or you did in movies or anything like that. None of that matters in the end of life. All that matters is that you are known by God. He knows you. He knows every intimate detail. I want to encourage you this afternoon to go home and read through Psalm 139 and just see how intimately involved God is in you and in my life. He knows everything about us. He knows when we sit and lie down. Man, you, he, that means he knows the most boring parts about our lives. He sees it. He knows the words before they even can hit our tongue and come out. He knows the thoughts that are in our head that don't manifest themselves physically or verbally. God knows everything about your life. Why? Because he loves you. He made you. He knows you. And he wants you to find your identity and who he is, not what this world says. This is what you should be doing. This is how you should dress. This is the car you should be driving. This is the home you should be living in. This is how you should conduct yourself. These are sort of movies you should like or music you should like. These are the books you should read. No, it's because my identity is in God. And so none of this stuff that the world throws at me, that's not how I identify myself. I identify myself that I am remarkably and wondrously made in the image of God. He knows me, he loves me, and he wants to be a part of my life. And after all that building up, I have one thing I tell you. You do have one flaw. But it's not your tummy. It's not your gluteus maximus. Not your voice, your laugh, your smile, your hairstyle, or the clothes you're wearing this morning. You have the same flaw that every single individual has on this planet. And that's sin. See, God created every single individual in his image. And the reason we all compare ourselves with other people, the reason we all search after some sort of meaning or fulfillment in the things of this world or what the advertisements or people say we should have to make ourselves feel better, because we all have a sin problem. And so we try to fill this hole in our heart and our life that only God can fill. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way, death spread to all people because all people sinned. See, God made you, but sin degrades you. God made you, but sin degrades you. Sin is the reason we, we try to find meaning and identity and why we start searching after things to give us that meaning and identity. Sin is the reason when I was 18, 19 years old, I began doing things ungodly because I thought that gave me meaning and identity. It seemed to make other people happy. Sin is the reason many adults today struggle with finances because they feel they got to have a certain sort of lifestyle to live up to. And so what do they do? They run up the credit. Sin is the reason why a lot of people, according to the national statistics, are still paying Christmas off from last year because they feel Christmas has to have some sort of aura and some sort of magical thing, and it is only presents or what do it, right? 
See, sin degrades us and it makes us feel like we aren't measuring up. But here's the problem. When we try to measure ourselves up to other sinful people, we're always going to fall short. The measuring line is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't own a house. He didn't own a bed, a pillow. He had one pair of clothes, one pair of shoes. God continued to provide and take care of him. He was perfect. The Bible says in chapter 5 of Romans, verse 18 and 19, it says, There's one trespass, there's condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there's justification leading to life for everyone. For just as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through one man's, and that's speaking of Jesus Christ, one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So if we want to feel good about ourselves, it only begins by understanding that God has made me. It's not my looks or anything else that's going on in my life that's making me feel this way. It's the sin inside of my life. But the promise in Scripture that the thing that needs fixing is not a physical appearance, but a spiritual Romans chapter 6, verses 5 says, For if we have been united with him, being Jesus, in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that the old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless. So we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Jumping down to verse 22 of Romans chapter 6. It says, But now since you have been set free from sin, now that it no longer has power over your life, and you have become enslaved to God, you have fruit which results in sanctification the outcome is eternal life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord see our problem isn't who God created to be our problem is what is keeping us from he from being who God created us to be God created you not to be like the Joneses but like Jesus And if we keep turning to the world to give us our identity and our satisfaction and our fulfillment, we're always going to be lacking. You're always going to be searching. You're always going to be seeking for that next big thing. I mean, this is what keeps electronics in business, people. They put out new systems. They put out new phones. They put out new applications. They put out new up, uh, 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 installs and, and updates. And what do we do? We, we have to get it. We have to have the next big thing. We have to have it. And we keep searching for things to give us fulfillment when God says from the very beginning, I made you. I made you in my image, in my likeness. And, and the issue isn't what you don't have. It's who you don't have. You need Jesus in your life. And he needs to be the master and lord of your life. That's why Paul says that we are enslaved to God, that now he is our driving force. He is our identity. He is all people see in our life. He is our master. And people know that we are controlled by God and that he has given us our identity because we belong to him. And if we happen to get the new iPhone or the new TV, that's cool. But it's just stuff. None of that's going to be with me when I see Jesus face to face in heaven. Bible says in Psalm 139, after David comes to this understanding that God knows everything about him, but also understanding that there's struggle in life, in life and in this world. In Psalm 139, the very last two verses, David gives this plea. So he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting. And here's where I want us to come this morning.
Would we be willing to come before the Father, the God who knows us, who there's not a thing in our life that is hidden from Him? And we would become and just open up and say, God, would you search me? And would you let me know if there's anything in my life that I have been seeking identity apart from you? Would you give me that discernment? Would you, would you search my heart and bring the things out that I'm not even aware of? Search my heart. Hear the prayer. Know my heart. Test me. Know my concerns. Is there anything you've been concerned about? What is the root of that concern? Are you concerned about money? Are you concerned about money because maybe money's been spent the wrong way because you feel like you have to measure up to some sort of level? Are you concerned about your family? Are you concerned about your kids? What are your concerns that, that you may be trying to identify apart from Scripture? Would you be willing to allow God just to bring that out of your heart and identify that? He says, see if there's any offensive way, and that means any offensive way to God, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Again, we are not defined by what we have, but who we have. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 20, 29, that we are to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's our identity now. Now that we're Christians, that means we're little Christ. That's what people should see in us. And again, if God gives us all this other cool stuff, fine. But my identity is in Christ. And I've seen it in church because I've been in church for a long time and in ministries. The churches can be so corrupted because they allow the comparison trap of other churches. Well, you know, they're doing this. Or they've got this budget. Or they've got so many people on staff at this church. And who cares? God put Harvest Hill to be Harvest Hill. And God puts you here to be you here to be a part of what God wants to do through you here. It's not about whether you can sing as good as Bridget or you look as good as Jackson. It's about who God puts you here to be so God can use you. And the same thing goes when you leave this place and you go out into the world. It doesn't matter about all that other stuff. God has put you at your workplace. God has put you wherever you are, put you in the hallways and at school to be you in that place and to bear His image. That's what it means to be a Christian. That I'm bearing the image of Christ who saved me, who redeemed me. That's what people see. That's our identity. But if you're here this morning and you've, you've heard all this, but you have yet to accept it yourself. You've yet to accept this gift that God has given us. See, sin is what is degrading you right now. Sin is what is keeping you from God. And if your sin problem is not dealt with, you will be separated from God forever. And so God may be bringing you here this morning because you've allowed the world and allowed sin to be your identity, but God wants to change your identity to be found in Christ. And that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We sing about these songs, I believe, we believe. It's that statement that we believe that God loves me so much. He knows me so much. He knows what I need before I knew it. That He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. They placed Him in a tomb, but He came out alive. He was seen by hundreds of witnesses, alive. And He did that because God is for me, not against me. And God wants to take care of the only problem I really have in this life, and that is my sin problem. 
The Bible says, if I believe God loves me that much and I place my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection, I will be saved. Signed, sealed, delivered. It's finished eternally. But I have to make that personal decision. Mom and dad can't do it. Grandma, grandpa can't do it. Aunt, uncle can't do it. It has to be me that I believe God loves me that much and now I want to be, have my identity in Christ. Is that you this morning? Are you ready to be found in him and him alone? If so, we're going to sing a song of invitation and invite Jackson to come back up. And if you need Jesus, God doesn't say you have to have it all figured out. He doesn't, have, he doesn't say you have to have all the verses memorized. He doesn't say you have to have every doctrine down. All you got to know is that I need Jesus because I'm lost and I'm heading for hell without Jesus. And I want that to change today. Maybe you're here and you are a child of God. Maybe God has revealed to you as He's revealed to me on numerous occasions that I compare myself to other things when all I should be looking to is who He is and who He's made me to be and who He's transforming me to be. And I just need to come and kneel before the Father and tell God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've been so distracted and so blind. Let me turn my eyes back on you. I don't know where you are this morning, but God knows you. He loves you for you, not against you. What a great promise to take. That's my identity. I'm known by God. He's got the whole world in his hands. Remember that song? He's got me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you say right off the bat who we are and who we are to be. Lord, I ask you forgive me when I start looking to other things like, oh, why don't I have that? Why don't I have that? Lord, help me to remember I've got you and you've got me. And your word says nothing can separate me from you because you love me that much. Father, forgive us as a church if we've become into the comparison trap. Lord, help us just to stay focused on you, to find our identity in you. Father, we aren't here to be the next mega church, we're here to bring you glory. However that is, Lord, that you would receive the glory and that's it. If we haven't been doing that, forgive us, Lord. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning. Lord, if they're anything like me and you know them, they've looked at other things. They've compared themselves to other people. Lord, you know how frustrating that is. Help us to allow your word to sink in made in your image and your likeness. You love me. Father, I pray this morning for the individuals who may be here this morning that don't know you. They know about church. They know about the Bible. They know about singing. They even know, may even know about you, but they don't know you. Father, I pray right now in this time of invitation that they would have the encouragement to step up and come down Say, Pastor Mike, I want Jesus in my life. So Lord, speak to the hearts that need to do that this morning. We release this, that your will would be done in this moment, and it would bring you glory and you alone. Forgive us if we failed you in any way, and we praise in your son's name.